All right, hello and good evening, everyone. How, how's everybody doing? Good. I'm doing so well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Anyways, um, we are so glad to have you guys here tonight. And if you are new, my name is Tommy. So if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, I would love to connect after this service. So guys, have you ever had a time where you have felt rejected by people? Oh. That was some quick answers. All right. <laughs> that was a <laughs> very quick answer. Um, you know, whether, whether it's someone rejecting you or maybe you have rejected someone else. We all know that it just, it never feels good and it creates drama and there's a lot of bad things that come out of it. So guys, it reminds me of a story of me back in sixth grade. Um, I dealt with some sixth grade rejection. You know, maybe, maybe not as bad as high school, but this was pretty bad. Um, so, it was Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> okay, listen, so, it was Valentine's Day and I was you know, I was getting ready. I, I, I like this girl named Caitlin. That, that was her name. Her name was Caitlin. And, you know, disclaimer, I was hitting puberty at the time. And, you know, I'm not. It's my first time liking girls. And at this point, you know, just, just bear with me. So I started liking this girl named Caitlin. And uh, probably the first girl I ever liked um, in sixth grade. Maybe not. And... You know, as I was liking this girl, I realized it was about to be Valentine's Day. So I was like, yo, mom, let's go to Walmart and get some chocolates. And I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to pull, pull this move right here. You know, first time about to go and talk to a girl and do all this stuff. Anyways, we go. We get the goods. We go to the store, get the chocolates. I get this card where I write this little letter. And all of a sudden, it's Valentine's Day. And we get there. And do you guys remember those, those boxes with, like, the little holes in them? Yeah, you, you would give the, uh, you would put in the candy or the different cards. So everyone's doing that around the room. And I'm, I'm sitting here, not with a card or a little candy, but this giant box of chocolates, just walking throughout the room. And I sit at my desk. But the worst possible thing happened. We started taking a test. And so the entire room was silent. And everyone was looking at me laughing while not taking their test, expecting me to do this. So, you know, I, I'm just like, Lord, I need some help. Um, I'm, I'm shivering in fear. I'm just not wanting to do this. But I stand up. I force myself to stand up. And I'm like, all right, either I need to go get a drink or I need to go give this box to the girl. So I decide to do both and make it smooth. So, so I get up. Everyone is still looking at me. They're, they're waiting on me to go up and, and give this to this girl. And uh, I get up. This, this thing is like filling up my whole arm like a football right now. Like it's huge. And the girl, imagine she's like right here, like right in front of me. So keep in mind, whoop, everyone's around me. They're all looking at me. And I'm walking. And all of a sudden it slips. And as it slips, the box breaks open and the chocolate scatters all over the ground. The classroom 
was covered with chocolates on that area. And everyone was looking at me. They were all laughing. And I was like, oh, no. And my face was probably as red as an apple. But I don't think the girl noticed. So, yo, yo. I pick up all these chocolates. I gather them. I put them in the box just how they were, like in those the little paper packages. Oh, yeah. Hey, don't judge. Don't judge. <laughs> and I go and I slide onto this girl's desk. And I walk over here and I go and get my drink. I go back to my desk and I um, start taking the test. And so we're, you know, maybe 10 minutes later, I look over. Like, she was pretty smart. Finished her test really fast. I was a little bit jealous because I didn't finish my test. But anyways, I'm looking over at her. And what could seem like a sixth grade boy's dream actually turned into my worst nightmare. And so she's looking at me, and I thought she was smiling for a second. I was like, oh, okay. That's, that's kind of cool. And, but, and she's looking at me, and uh, all of a sudden she, she makes like a third look, and she's like, and I, my heart just dropped, and I didn't know what was wrong. And uh, I think the problem was that on the card, I wrote, uh, you're a really great friend, like a lot of times. It was so bad. It was not good. <laughs> and she, so guys, she gets up with, with the chocolates and with the card, and she walks over the trash can, <laughs> throws everything away. Everything goes to the trash can. It was, it was terrible. Like what a waste of chocolates. I could have ate those. They were all over the ground. <laughs> she, she might have known they fell on the ground and maybe that was the reason. I don't really know. But... You know, I, I know it's a, it's a funny story, and, you know, there's, there's lots of laughs of it right now. Um, in the, during that time, my heart was just in pure rejection. Like, I felt horrible, and I went home and probably cried for three weeks, and it was so bad. You know, I, I had liked this girl probably for the past, like, two years or so. It was, it was a while, and... It was just, man, that was, that was, that was whack, you know? <laughs> However, I know, guys, I know that some of us deal with rejection as well. We all deal with rejection because, because that's what happens in our lives. You know, maybe you wake up every single day hoping to survive the day you're going through because of the previ previous rejection that you've experienced. You know, maybe there's been a time where you've been bullied by people and you've been rejected by them and they've made other people reject you. And it's not a good feeling. It's terrible. It's, it makes you feel alone. It makes you feel tired. It makes you feel sad. And it's just like, why would anybody do this? And now, I don't know everyone's situation in this room, and, you know, disclaimer, I'm unaware of any situation like this, but I would place my bet that there's been someone in here who has laid down on the, their bathroom floor and contemplated why they're here. 
I bet there's someone who has thought about ending it all due to rejection in their life. Because rejection is very, very serious. Rejection is a thing that we deal with, but it's not something that's light. And you know, I, I would love to say that, you know, maybe there's, there's like a secret way where you're, you'll never experience rejection again, and it'll never happen to you, or you'll never feel bad again. But the truth of it is, is that life is full of rejection. It is full of it, and it sucks. You know, it is not a good thing. If you're taking notes, I want you to, uh, to write this down. Rejection becomes our worst enemy when dealing with it on our own. Rejection becomes our worst enemy when dealing with it on our own. And through the rest of this, the rest of this message, I want you to keep this thought in mind that I'll never be able to get through rejection if I'm doing it by myself. So... Tonight we're going to be in Romans chapter 11, as most of you probably assumed as we've been going through the book of Romans. Um, But Romans 11 does not deal with us actually being rejected, but the Jews being rejected. It seems to a lot of the people around them that they've actually just been completely rejected by God and are no longer his people. Um, You know, just, just imagine, you're living in this time, you are in Rome, um, you're worshiping God, and there's these, or you're worshiping another God, and there's all these other gods that are around Rome, around where you live. And then all of a sudden, there's this person who comes to you and tells you there's this God who is above everything. There's this, there's this God who is above the gods that you worship, above the people. He is the God who is the God over all. However, if, imagine you're, you're in Rome, you're worshiping another god. You see this person come to you and say that, except it seems like most of the people, a part of worshiping that god, are no longer there. It seems like all of those people are gone, and if this god barely has anybody worshiping him, why would he be worth following? Why would he be the god who's the god above all? Paul in this chapter reminds us of how uh, Israel is still saved and how we also are now saved. Uh, He shows us God's character towards his people, towards Israel, and towards us. And it's to ultimately reveal that God actually has not rejected his people. Although they have seemed rejected, God has not rejected his people. So, on the theme of rejection... In this chapter, I want to show you three comforts that we can take away from God during times of rejection or us rejecting God. So if you have your Bibles, please flip with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, starting in verse verse 1. Verse 1, it says, I ask then... Has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So the first, the answer is no, God has not rejected the Jews. Paul here even goes on to say that he himself is a Jew, or 
is an Israelite. So how, how ridiculous would it be to think that God has rejected the Jews? You know, at this point, they seemed rejected and useless and broken because there was this, there was this new covenant that they were no longer under. You know, the new covenant, it seemed like they were no longer under it. It seemed like all hope was completely lost and broken for the Jewish people. And this was not because God rejected them, but actually because they rejected Christ. And although they have rejected Christ, the most beautiful thing about this is that God has still never fully rejected them, and He hasn't given up on them. Verse 2, it says, God has not rejected His people whom He foreknew. Do you not know what the Scripture says of Elijah? How he, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knee of Baal. So too, at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Paul goes on to remind them, or remind us about the story of Elijah, where he thought that God had cast off all the people who were around him, this entire nation, and that he, who's Elijah, was the last living person left who was worshiping God. But God here shows him that there is a, a remnant, or in other words, a small group of people remaining, you know, remnants remaining who were actually worshiping God, to show them that he was not alone and that he has not rejected all of these people. Now, Paul possibly felt very similar to Elijah. He, he, you know, he was originally a Jew um, and chose to believe in Jesus, while all the other Jews that were with him chose to reject Jesus. You know, he was very saddened by this, but... Even he knew, even Paul knew, that God had chose a remnant or a small group of people remaining among the Jews. And the crazy part about this is that God actually gave grace to these people who didn't deserve it by choosing them to be his. Because ultimately, God has not given up on his people. In verse 6, it says, but, it, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Guys, what a joy it is to know that God doesn't require anything of us. He gives grace freely out of His good and His perfect and pleasing character, just as He did here with the Jews. Now, when you think about it, Paul was actually a part of this remnant, or this, this people remaining. And we find him following Jesus, but before that, as he was a Jew, he was persecuting Christians. And in no way did Paul deserve this grace to be given to him from God. But guess what? God still gave him grace. You know, Paul flat out rejected the Messiah... He started persecuting God's people and was a complete hypocrite 
as he was a Jew. So let me, let me ask you this question. Have you rejected Christ? I don't know if you know, everyone, I'm guessing maybe everyone is a Christian in this room, but maybe not. Um, but you know, we can reject Christ even while being a Christian. There are times where we reject him through wanting to spend time with him, through wanting to go to church, through just wanting him at all. You know, there are times that we do reject Jesus, or you reject Jesus as a whole, as the Lord and the Savior of your life. Maybe you feel like you are so far off from God that there is no possible way that he would ever forgive you. And there's, there's this the one thing that you've been holding on to for so long that continues to haunt you until this day. Or maybe it's possible that you believe your life is worthless because of who you are. When you, when you feel this rejection or your own rejection towards God, it feels really horrible. You know, even as we talked about in the beginning with the girl that I liked throwing all the stuff away. Rejection, no matter how funny or how um, weird of a situation it may be, it's still serious. And when someone is getting rejected, it never means that something good is coming out of it. However, as we can see even through the scripture, God is also not done with us yet. God is not done with us, and we're able to take comfort that God gives rather than requires. The first comfort that we can take away from God is knowing that He gives rather than requires. Verse 6, it says that grace would no longer be, be grace if it were on the basis, basis of works. So even here, through Israel's rejection, God still gave them grace despite how they were. So we should remember that when all else fails, um, when we mess up, or if our lives feel fully rejected, we have a God who freely gives to us rather than requiring something more. You know, it's, imagine you are, um, imagine you are re- rejecting someone, and they, you know, you go to them, and um, maybe you rejected them and then regret it, and you didn't mean to do that, but you go to them and ask for forgiveness, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to reject you, but then they just ask you, well, you know, you're, you're going to have to take a year to prove it. You're going to have to take a, a very long time to prove yourself to me, and you're going to have to do this and this and this and this and this and that. And yet God comes to us and says, it just gives us grace. And it's a really interesting thing to think about um, when we really see the grace of God work through other people. Because it's not all the time that we notice it um, just in our own spiritual lives, especially, you know, maybe some of you have been a Christian for a while, and maybe you haven't realized or contemplated that there was a time in your life where you were going to hell. You know, I was thinking about that the other week, and it was just like, man, God has given me grace for eternity. Like, I don't, have to, I don't have to work for a year to prove myself to him. I don't have to do a bunch of works. I don't have to do this and that. 
Like God has freely given me and you His grace through His Son Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That is so much more than what anybody else could give us. And it's amazing. Moving on in, in verse 7, it says, What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect, the elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see, and bend their backs forever. Israel, for one, did fail to obtain, to obtain what they were seeking because they tried to seek it based off of works instead of by faith in Christ. And since they rejected Christ, God gave them over to their own rejection. It says that they were given over to the spirit of stupor, or in other words, that means like an impaired uh, conscience. So God still hasn't rejected them forever, but actually in the rejection, he has given them over to it because he's going to use it for a purpose. What the Jews don't realize at this point is that the rejection that they had towards the Messiah, God was still going to use that for their good and other people's good. And we will we'll continue reading more about that. Uh, verse, verse 11, it says, So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Their failure meant salvation being offered to the world because they were the ones who were unable to attain it. We shouldn't forget that in many instances, the gospel is spread to the Gentiles, typically when the Jews, uh, the Jewish people reject it. So it wasn't that the Jewish, re the Jewish rejection of Jesus saved them, but it actually gave the opportunity for the gospel to be spread to the Gentiles or to be spread to the people who don't know Jesus. So through their rejection, you know, God actually brought something really good out of it. And that was the gospel being spread to all nations. It's awesome. And God, in his gracious character, used this rejection for good. And not only that, he even desired to make them jealous of the Gentiles. He desired to make them jealous of them so that they would come to have faith in Christ. You know, the Gentiles all of a sudden are under this new covenant and are receiving these other blessings from God, and God desired to make the Jewish people jealous so that they might come to have faith in Him. And for some of us, for some of us in this room, we may feel completely useless while in a time of rejecting God or being rejected by other people. You know, how, how often when this happens, do you, do you go somewhere alone 
you hide, you go in your room or closet, and you just dwell in this rejection. You just sit there and you just soak in this pure rejection that you have experienced. It makes us feel alone and, and tired and worse, worthless. And like we can't be used for anything that's good. And that's whether we're the ones rejecting God or being rejected by other people. But just as here, where God uses their rejection, He actually does the same with us. God is still not done with you, and we can take comfort in knowing that God makes us useful rather than useless. The second comfort that we can take away from God is that He makes us useful rather than useless. So many times we come to a season where it feels like God has given up on us, or I'm not feeling Him during this time, or why is this situation happening to me? And we feel like we can no longer be used for His kingdom because we feel like we're not worth anything. You know, maybe you think to yourself, I'm no, I'm no Tommy, or I'm no... Calvin, and you know, they're, they're preachers and ministers, and they, they shepherd people and do all these things. They're the ones to do that. They're the ones to share the gospel. They're the ones to uh, minister to God's people because I'm not spiritual enough to do that. No, that's not the case at all. God desires to use you, God desires to use you for His kingdom and for His glory. Just because you don't have the entire Bible memorized in the back of your head does not mean that God doesn't want to use you and cannot use you. Because certainly, He can. We are called to be salt and light to this world around us. And that doesn't mean hiding in our own rejection. Just because you aren't perfect or because someone else thinks you're not perfect doesn't mean that we should hide from it all. We should embrace that God has a plan to use you rather than through rejection cause you to become useless. God doesn't want to make you useless. He's already made you useful. And the amazing part of the, about the gospel story is that God is for us despite our rejection of Him. God is still for us. And it doesn't mean that you should just go and continuously reject Jesus. But when you fall off, God still desires to use you no matter what if you continue running back to Him. Now this, this whole, this middle section um, that is in the middle of Romans chapter 11 is talking about the Gentiles being placed into salvation and Israel's rejection, and basically kind of everything we summed up. So we're going to skip down to verse 25. So verse 25, it says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to become aware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them. 
when I take away their sins. As regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by mercy, by the mercy shown to you, they may also receive mercy. For God has co-signed all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Now a very interesting comment is made in this section, and it says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now this means that they are unable to be changed. And it's, it's just another reason why God has not given up on uh, the national or ethnic Israel. However, this statement should comfort us far beyond the direct relevance to Israel because it means that God will not give up on us and He leaves the path open to restoration. Throughout all this rejection, everything we've been talking about so far, God still will never give up. And He still hasn't given up on you. God's arms are open wide for you to come home every time you've rejected Him. In verse 33, it says, Oh, the depth and the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. As Paul here is considering God's God's plan that he has for all of the ages, he is just humbled into praising God. He, he comes to realize that God is just completely beyond him. He's completely beyond who he is and who we all are. Like, who would have planned this entire scenario with Israel and with the Gentiles and with the church other than God? Who would come up with this plan to continuously have mercy on everybody despite all of their rejections. God has mercy on the Gentiles. He has mercy on the Jews. He has mercy on everyone through this plan. And through this, we can see His great compassion and wisdom in the plan. And the last verse, which I think is just So cool, because it just shows the glory of God in this. It says that it is all from Him, and through Him, and to Him. This plan, it's from Him because it is His plan. It is not our plan. It is through Him because the plan is being fulfilled by Him, because it could never be fulfilled by us. And it is to Him because it is all for God This plan is not just for us. And this will actually bring us to the third comfort that we can take from God in rejection, which is that God is over it all. God is over it all. 
we can take comfort in praising God for being there over, in, and through it with us in everything. He's there with us through it all. He isn't done with you. He hasn't left you. And if you've ever, maybe you haven't even come to know Christ, He offers this promise to never leave or forsake you. Ever. It is beautiful that we have this God who promises to never leave us despite our rejection or despite other people rejecting us. So we have, we have these promises, but let me ask you this question. Have you let rejection define your worth? Have you let rejection define your worth? Does, does rejection from a friend or a loved one influence every single aspect of your life? Or in another case, has your own rejection of God made it hard for you to go and approach Him? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is approachable. And guess what? He is not against you. Just as He is for the Jews, He is for you, and no one can take that away. Nobody. If God is for us, who is against us? Remember that verse? If God is for us, who is against us? We can now approach God knowing that He looks to us as righteous and beloved and honored. Now for that person who, who may be, I'm, I'm going to jump back to this, for that person who maybe has considered ending it all, because you feel worthless and you feel rejected. You feel like no one is for you. You feel like you have no, no other people who are around you. I just, I just want to first comfort you in saying that you have a God and you have people who are always for you. And that there are people who are not against you, but who love you very much. But you have this God who offers so much more than what you could ever imagine. And maybe, maybe it's a different situation. Maybe you've you know, experienced rejection and now you just spend all of your time alone. You have a God who is with you more than every single other person in your life is. God is even with you when you feel alone. Now, I understand that rejection is very harmful. It hurts really badly. But it shouldn't and cannot define who exactly you are. So let me ask this question again. Are you letting rejection define your worth? Have you let it creep in and call you names that you're not? Is it destroying how you look at yourself? And is it influencing your attitude? Is rejection affecting who you are? I think the big takeaway that we should take from tonight is that rejection has no hold on us, whether we are rejected from someone else or have rejected God. 
People can't define you. And God's view of you will not change due to your own rejection. So I just I, I want to give you guys three things of what we can do when we feel rejected because I understand that it's not just an easy thing to go through. But the first thing I would just say is to run to God. Approach, approach Him and see who He says you are rather than what everyone else says you are. And the second one would be to run to your people. If you don't have people, you should find some people because we're not going to be able to get through this alone. And it can end up turning very badly if we experience this rejection and try to just soak it all in. And the third thing I think is, is pretty important is to run from your worry. And I, I say run from your worry because this label that you have placed on yourself is not going to change who you are. So there's no point in dwelling on it. There's no point in worrying about it because rejection does not change who you are. Find scripture of what God says you are and do not worry about what the world says you are. Ultimately, God brings mercy to rejected people. So let's, let's leave this place tonight praising God for counting us as worthy. Because, you know, when we, when we think about the gospel, the gospel doesn't desire to claim us as sinners. The gospel desires to claim us as saints. Jesus coming down to die on the cross and rise again for your sins was not so you could believe in it and just be this sinner. No, God looks at you with honor. And it says, that, it says in God's word that you're even seated with him at his right hand. Like, Do you realize this? How amazing it is that you are a child of God? God calls you something so much more than what you think that you are. So in your groups tonight, I, wanted to, I want you to talk about times you've been rejected and how we should continue to go on dealing with it. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for just calling us beloved and sons and daughters in your kingdom. Lord, we praise you for not rejecting us, but for always being for us. God, I pray that through our rejection, instead of running away from you or running to ourselves to be alone, that we would approach you, that we would approach you with confidence, knowing who you have claimed us to be. And God, I pray for all of us, maybe if some of us in this room are experiencing rejection in our lives, that you would just surround them with people to support them, to be there for them, and that I, I just pray that you lay on their hearts that they can go to people to talk about this. They can go to people to talk about the rejection that they're dealing with. We praise you, and we love you, and we thank you for all that you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.